Rolling. What you're defending when you defend Antifa. You're listening to the Propaganda Report. I'm Brad Binkley here with Monica Perez. Monica, let me ask you a question. Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. If there were a group that went by the name, the police haters, if that was <laughs> the name of the group, they were the police haters, and they explicitly and unapologetically declared police men and women, all of them, every policeman, every policewoman in the country, they declared them to be their primary enemy. Would you consider going on national TV and publicly defending them and even speaking about them heroically? Would I consider it? Is that what you said? Like, would you, would you just would you just kind of without thought? No, I consider everything, but I would say I try never to love or hate a collective. So I wouldn't categorize everybody the same way. Uh, the enemy is the state. Police are representatives of the state, but that that handle is clearly meant to be polarizing and provocative, and it's wrong in itself you can't hate a group of people what about this what about if this group the police haters if they posted something on facebook that was like we hate nazis would you be like yeah i like this group i'm gonna follow and join this group the police haters simply because they like everybody else in the world don't like nazis would you join their group and start attending their meetings and siding with them simply because they said something that everybody universally agrees on? No, because especially since it's such an old ploy to try to get people on your side by hating the same person. Right. That's a ploy that has possibly um, escaped Don Lemon, who did publicly go on and defend this group, and not to mention 25,000 people who like this group on their Facebook page, people that I know, well-intending people I know like and support this group and frequently say stuff like, well, if I got to side with this group instead of the Nazis, I'm always siding with this group. If they care about the same stuff I do, I'm siding with this group, except this group isn't called the police haters. And I, I think you probably already know what I'm talking about. They're called Antifa. And me saying, representing them as the police haters isn't, isn't me slandering them or anything. This information is published on their website. Most people don't realize. And the reason I'm bringing this up today is because there's been a story in the news uh, this week about comments that Don Lemon and Jeffrey Tubin of CNN made in regards to Antifa, defending them, some really just idiotic statements. People that I know who follow Antifa, who like Antifa, who say stuff like, I'll always side with Antifa uh, against Nazis when I'm going, you know, you, you can oppose both. You don't have to side with either or. You can oppose both. Uh, it's but, like, are you a misogynist or a feminist? You have ex- to choose. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's so, classic. These people who are well-intending people don't realize there's a national Antifa group, which CNN will lie to you about and say that there's not. I actually heard them say that, but there is. There's a national Antifa group called the Torch Network, and the Torch Network has a – Yikes! It's called the Torch Network? Yes. Like Tiki Torch? Why? Well, you know, I, I hadn't thought about it that way, but oh I, I guess so, yeah. Light the fire of, uh, of lynching? Of right. Kind of like the, the Nazis and the Tiki Torch. Yeah, exactly. But this, this group has a set of That's standards, awful. set of standards and a set of values that they require 
anyone who wants to start a local branch, a local Antifa branch. Now, you can call your local branch Antifa, which the Atlanta branch calls itself, um, I think, Atlanta Antifa. And this Atlanta branch is featured predominantly on the national branch, the Torch Network's website. They're always praising the Atlanta branch because they're always, you know, publishing the addresses of what they what they label white supremacists um, of Nazis. I haven't looked into the background of all the people that they have doxxed, which is publicly given out their private information. That's what that means. I, so I don't know the background of those people, if they are Nazis or if they aren't. But um, I do know that that's one of the activities that they engage in. And I have a bunch of friends who like their page, who follow them, who I know for a fact because I've asked them if they are aware what national group that group is part of and what the values and activities and what that group advocates are. And they're, they're, they're completely clueless to it, absolutely clueless. The only reason they like and follow the group is because they said, hey, I don't like fascists. I hate Donald Trump. I like what this group has to say. So there's because some of my friends have showed up in searches for Antifa because they have been so involved in their page and stuff. And this is how you get people involved in a movement. This is how you turn someone from a middle of the road person into a Nazi in Nazi Germany. Right. You don't you, you start off by getting them on board um, by identifying an enemy. And I was actually wondering about that because they're bringing Nazism and anti-Nazism, which is can be communism, you know, like. Right. I think anti-communist people do gra- did gravitate. Fascism in Nazi Germany was deliberately um, pitted against communist Russia. Like that was the thing. So how do you make, they're trying to bring communism and fascism here, which I've said before is not natural to the American experiment to me because we don't have this feudal history of land ownership in this country. So you didn't have the socialism as a solution to that, which is both fascism and communism are grounded in socialism. So to bring it here, you've got to create it. And even like this identity thing, this like white nationalism thing and all that kind of stuff also is unnatural to this country because we don't, the so-called white people don't really have an ethnic, a uniform ethnic identity. I'm Syrian. Syrian is considered white. You know, and does that make me? I'm also Irish, which is also considered white, and German, which is also considered white. But those, you wouldn't expect those countries to band together against some other thing. Uh, but you would expect Germany to stick with Germany. You know, like there's, we just don't have that um, racial, political, ethnic, religious. Uh, you know, uh, that our identity, those things don't always align in one circle here. Like, so it's all totally unnatural to us. So I'm wondering how they get people to do this. Well, they get them involved based on a common hate. This is how Lenin transformed the Communist Party. His approach was deception. It was, you can't come right out and say, hey, we are revolutionary communists. I mean, you're getting to the point where you can't. It's about legitimacy. They're always working to legitimize themselves by covertly infiltrating other organizations while they have a small group of them who do wear the um, radical communist color. So they're always taking multiple approaches to gaining legitimacy for the party. And Lenin made it the party line 
1935 at the seventh um, International Communist Congress um, that deception is now our primary line. We will abandon all communist colors when we need to in order to deceive people. So we will speak the language of the socialists, speak the language of the Democrats, speak the language of the liberals, that even though they hate those groups more than anybody else, those are the groups they hate because they have the same target market. Yes, we've like, talked about that. I have like four right. different things to say to you. So, so Based that, just on the paragraph you just said. Yeah. <laughs> So they get they get them on that way, and they get them focused on what they hate, and then through constant action – we talked about this a little bit before – through constant action by keeping them doing activities to oppose the enemy, to oppose the enemy, they they strengthen that those people's commitment to the party, to taking commands from them. Um, when you are angry and you want to stop somebody that you think is – a demon, then you just want to know what to do. And the communists step in and they say, well, we'll tell you what to do. We'll tell you how to stop this. And the more action you take, the more psychologically committed you become to this group. Before you know it, you're going to marches. You're going – you're throwing uh, rocks at people. You're throwing Matov cocktails, and they intentionally increase the level of revolutionary-type action. It's called direct action is a type of – protest activity that they get involved with but that's how they get it they get people by getting them to focus on a common enemy and not focus on what they are and then through constant action they build a psychological commitment to them and control over them and psychological manipulation is what it is okay so here are all the things that came out of what you just said to me uh this constant action to oppose the enemy common hate you said that i i see that and I raise it <laughs> to you actually have to have injustice on both sides or attacks on both sides or hatred on both sides. So, which is where the art of ambiguity, which I coined a while back, comes in the strategy of tension. Take Charlottesville as an example. So, there were people defending monuments, which in itself they have the right to do. There's definitely, definitely. Uh, two sides to every story, including wars and every other thing. So uh, if you want to talk about Lee or whatever, uh, I can understand why people want to preserve history, blah, blah, blah. There's reasons, right? So people showed up with reasons, not, 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 they were not necessarily all Nazis and white nationalists. And then the Antifa came and they violated these guys' permits and they were aggressive and whatever. So in order to get the right, the people on the right who were just there, rightly or wrongly, to defend a symbol, let's say, let's just say that even, let's just theoretically say they were all there to, or some of them were there just to support the a symbol without a broader offensive political agenda. They might coalesce into a... Uh, a reactionary, angry mob that will accept the label of and, and ultimately perhaps the beliefs as they get deeper and deeper into the organization yeah. of, of, the, of the white nationalists or whatever, who are probably, and I think in that case there were, agents provocateur planted there. So you get the Antifa to galvanize and radicalize those people, you put leadership in there, infiltrators to uh, skew it um, 
wrong, you know, make it racial and hateful and me, me, my, my, mine or whatever, uh, instead of just like, hey, we're, we're just, we just don't want to give up these symbols because they mean more than just that one thing. And maybe even if they do mean that one thing, you should remember it. It means something, you know? So, so I can see what you're saying. Um, now you said legitimacy through covert infiltration. Were you talking about, uh, infiltrating, let like communist infiltrating socialism and what, what is legitimacy through covert infiltration? Legitimacy is people taking it seriously, uh, is, you know, a communist can run and it not, not seem radical. Because? Because it's okay. Because on college campuses, people – well, before, maybe 10 years ago, you know, people bring up communism. It scares people, so it, you can't so scare Bernie people Sanders off. Was it's the, nor- the normalization of it. Right. So Bernie Sanders infiltrated, brought socialism into the Democratic Party, and now yeah. now socialism is the buzzword. We're all socialists now or socialism. Okay. We also revisited. I think we've all seen the headlines. If not, I've actually been collecting them, especially around the New York race. That chick, whatever her name is, was, uh, Miranda. No, no, no. Oh, Cortez. You're not talking about Miranda. Yeah. So national socialist. Yeah. Cortez. And then that's just a stepping stone to the communist thing, which is where Antifa is. So they can all come together under the communist umbrella. And then I would say two more things. Uh, You said, how do you get, um, you said they would like be deceitful or whatever. That's okay. Uh, My friend uh, sent me a book, How to Kill 11 Million People. It's a tiny little book. And the answer basically in a nutshell is lie to them. You know, how did you get the Nazis to do uh, the Holocaust and more. How did you get the Germans to get along with that? Lie to them. And that's how you get people to do stuff they would not otherwise do. And uh, finally, when I was talking about the art of ambiguity, which to me is um, a kinder, gentler version of the strategy of tension, which is the Operation Gladio type thing, or here, I guess it's Gladio too. Uh, it's not, it, it doesn't even have to remember, we're still talking about fascism and communism butting heads. So it's not necessarily when you say, when, when we, and the larger discussion is about communism, it's, it is absolutely, uh, it's a, it's a danger or whatever, but it's playing into the hands of the 20th century dialectic where fear of communism is what fed the fascist fire. And I'm not even reprimanding us for doing that. I think we qualify it enough, but ultimately it does not matter who wins because, because the strategy of tension leads to totalitarianism in that you just ask for the crackdown. So in the 20th century, I think that the thesis would, was communism, the antithesis was fascism, and the synthesis was social democracy. Now I think that the synthesis might actually be a real, viable, workable totalitarianism because of technology. 
because of their ability to institute surveillance and censorship. And they're so rich. There's so much money going around. Five trillion dollars, you know, goes to the governments or more, seven trillion in this country. They can do stuff like this constant spraying in some parts of the country is driving me crazy. Uh, they really have the money to do mass scale control operations. So if things get bad enough, they can, in the flash of an eye, confiscate your guns like Katrina. So say they can actually seed hurricanes, which I think it's pretty clear they can. So they could actually make it rain harder. They can actually create natural looking disasters. And then with Katrina, they use that as an excuse. And I think it was an experiment to take people's guns away without them realizing it was gun confiscation. And similarly in Boston Marathon bombing, they shut it down, told people to whatever shelter in place, I think. And then they went door to door searching houses. And so if they didn't have Jahar Sarnayev hiding in a boat, which they probably knew all along, um, or weren't really looking for him because they did not find him during the search. If if they didn't have him, nobody would let them in. I mean, they would, but they'd cry foul later because they had to because they're SWAT guys with guns. But, yeah, they rely on crisis. That was one of Lynn. I mean, that's uh, right. everybody who's trying no, to get control. And yeah. there's no outrage after. Like Katrina's gun confiscation or martial law in Boston did not create the kind of post- Watergate crisis, you know, where they had the 1974 Privacy Act and other things like that. You just, you, they, 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 so I just think that there's a real risk of actual long term totalitarianism sooner rather than later. As well, we I mean, that's what communism is a vehicle for. Communism has always been a vehicle. But so is fascism. For, yeah, it's, that's, that's, it's just a way for people to concentrate power. And the communist appeals are, are, so alluring to people who feel that they don't have power, who feel unsatisfied because they can blame their problems on uh, a small group of people they don't like. Same with have, fascism. Yeah. It's the exact same. Well, if you – if when I – I'm going to go through their website here and tell you what, what you're defending when you defend Antifa, and oh, you'll see and, that it's fascism. It's, yeah, yes, exactly. And the funny thing is they're the ones – who are creating identity-based uh, prejudice. When someone says you can't be prejudiced against, I'm not defending white people. I don't think in a collective terms, but when that chick on CNN said, you can't, the, the New York Times editor who said, made anti-white tweets can't be a racist because yeah. r- racism is power. That, that could very easily turn anti-Semitic, right? Because, uh, unlike, you know, there's kind of like a um, wealth correlation or power correlation. They call like Asians the model immigrants, right? But but Mexicans come in, perhaps stereotypically, I don't know, uh, on the lower end of the economic scale. So the Jews in Germany weren't poor or weak or underprivileged. They owned the banks there and that, but it didn't save them from an angry mob. Yeah. So they're bringing this, they're making this about identity. They're making it about ideology, right? When you have people, you're, you're a Democrat or you're evil, which I've given so many examples since I introduced that, I think just in January, it's clear certain ideas will not be tolerated 
And this is the left, right, which is meant to be liberal. And that's what they meant by liberal was tolerance for ideas. I mean, that uh, Courtney Love's father said in the 60s about the Grateful Dead, like he would tell those feminist chicks, censorship is worse than chauvinism. You, you have to allow people to think. Yeah, that's not the whole goal is to not allow people to think for both of the groups. When people hear the word Nazi, the image that is evoked or the feeling that's evoked is one of something terrible. Nobody's confused about that. The Nazis aren't going, let's take down the anti-fascist. And and people going, yeah, I hate anti-fascists. I'm just – I hate them so much I'm joining the Nazis because people are like, whoa, I don't want to be associated with Nazis, right? But that's not the same when people hear the word Antifa. There's a vagueness about it. People have different images and different feelings evoked when they hear that. And like people that I know who might join the group on Facebook or who might like it, who are well-intended and who just you know don't like Donald Trump, they when they hear um, Antifa or when they hear a fascist, you know Donald Trump is evoked. That's what they feel that they're opposing when they associate themselves with Antifa. But when people who are hardcore members of Antifa, when they hear the word fascist, a very different image is evoked. Yes, Donald Trump is in that image, but so are police. So are basically anybody who opposes their agenda and anybody who's in power. So if the Democrats were to take power, then the people who become the fascist become the very people who are right now siding with Antifa. So when you join or support one of these groups, you better be clear that the same image of a fascist is being evoked in their mind is being invoked in yours because that's how they con you into joining them because they have a very broad and flexible application of it while people who are getting coaxed into joining them are thinking about Donald Trump really. This is why I use the example at the beginning of the show of what if they were called the we hate police group. <laughs> that, that's very clear. There's no confusion about that. You know, you're not going to go on national TV and talk about how look the, oh, we, yeah, but they, the we hate actually, police yeah. group, they were just there stopping the fascist or they just want to fight for equality, the we hate police. There's no confusion about who they are. Um, so I, I want to. It's so weird because what a communist takeover is surely going to involve armed force over oh, a lot absolutely. of population. And I just want to interject uh, quickly, and then you can go on. <clears throat> uh, Bastiat, I believe Frederick Bastiat wrote the law at the end of the 19th century. I think he was dying of tuberculosis and felt like he could say whatever he wanted um, in France. And he just one of the things he. Uh, I guess there's a lot of revolutionary movements going on at that time. And he said, just be careful that you don't, you don't, you're not fighting just so one group can switch with the other group that, that new oppressors, that you're just going to be the new oppressors, which is what, when they're like anti-Trump or whatever, what are you looking for? Would you rather Chuck Schumer's boot on your neck? Does that feel better? <laughs> you know? Yeah. People are talking about the rising Nazi problem, but that if you go on Facebook and you search for groups associated with Antifa, and they're not always called Antifa. Some of them are. Some of them are called – like one of them is called It's Going Down. Another is called the Torch – actually, I don't know if the Torch Network specifically has a social media presence because they give very specific instructions on how to remain anonymous online. But you will find – that there are far, far more Antifa groups 
freely collecting followers on Facebook than there are Nazi-associated groups. I mean, it's not even close. It's not even close how large the size of Antifa is growing compared to Nazi-related groups. It, they dwarf them. And if you talk about the Unite the Right rally, the second one, the anniversary of it, they promote. They reported this in the news initially as like a triumph, as, as how the counter-protesters – the counter protesters dwarfed the Nazis in numbers. There was 20, and this is the number they gave literally 20 Nazis or alt right people that showed up for the Unite the Right 2 rally versus hundreds <laughs> of Antifa. So they, they acted like that was a celebration of intimidation, but what that yes. represents is the yes. fact that there are no freaking Nazis really. It's such yes. a small problem well, and so ridiculous, but there are. It wasn't people- a problem. It's created. I've been noticing this the anti Semitism, the racism. I've been noticing how what a weirdly disproportionate presence it has, like sites that people are willing to cite that are like very anti Semitic. I mean, it's weird that those those things don't get a lot of way more press than Alex Jones, who doesn't say stuff like that. At least the last time I listened to him four years ago, he didn't say stuff like that. Uh, that was one thing. And um, and I remember this was very telling, I thought. I was listening to a Howard Stern rerun, which is not my normal listening fare. I think I was couldn't figure out how to turn my husband's radio. And um, they were, it was an old one, and they were looking for, uh, they were trying to get a white supremacist rock band to play a song for them or whatever, and they couldn't find one. So, or I think it was like maybe Cedric the Entertainer was on there, like just, they just couldn't find one. And and the conclusion that they drew wasn't that this really isn't some like massive underground movement, it's that it really isn't. Yeah, a massive underground movement that it doesn't have some. Now there are racists. There are absolutely racists. There, the KKK exists. You can throw at at some point it was like two thirds FBI, I think, or at least one third. There are racists. I've heard race, racist things. I'm not saying that it, there isn't. I'm not trying to say that, but uh, this idea of or because it's not natural to this country. That isn't what we rally around. It's not, there is no, I mean, maybe it was in the South when it was um, the lines were drawn. Maybe it still is in the South, but in my, in any of my personal experience, I never, I don't think that's how it was shaking out formal organized neo-Nazis, but I, I think it is emerging. Or they're trying to get it to work. I don't think it's emerging at all. I, I think that, okay. I think that, I mean there is racism. I'm not talking about racism. I'm talking about Nazism. I don't think it's emerging. I, I think that there's a small number of them. Even if you have a bunch of racists get together, they aren't promoting I don't think they're generally in this country promoting socialism. If you want to say it's on the right, then it's on our right is 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 a free market position. It's the European right that's nationalist. Because the because the right means conservative and conservatives means the past and the past for them was nationalism, monarchy, stuff like that. The past for us was federalism and uh, decentralization. So that's why I think as a as a fascism, it's not really a thing. It's not natural to this country. No, it's definitely not natural. And, and, and communism is always natural because it's stealing. <laughs> like if you get fifty-one yeah. percent of the people in a democracy to vote away forty-nine percent of the people's stuff, 
that's just communism and stealing and people will do that. Yeah. What I want to illustrate is, is there's not there's not evidence of a rising national rising Nazi problem across America, and people don't want to be Nazis. They don't want to be alt right. It's not that's not it's such a small group of people. They're there, they exist, but they're not truly growing as a threat. But what is growing, in large proportion to them, is Antifa, and people are associating themselves with them who have no idea what they are who have no idea what their values are, who have no idea what they stand for or what activities that they advocate, and they're being amplified in the media by people like Jeffrey Tubin and and uh, Don Lemon who make everything racial because there are racists that exist, right? But most people aren't racist. Yeah, I get However, emails that make it clear that there are people who buy into this stuff, but not not that many. Yeah, but if you can make every issue about race, then you can convince people that race and Nazism is a big, is actually a bigger problem than it actually is. With that said, I want to play these two quick clips, and then I want to go through and read from the Torch Network's website what their values are, what they stand for, what they represent, and what they require of these local groups that unsuspecting people who are well-intended are joining and associating, and associating with. But I really actually think you're onto something I hadn't thought of before with the, with the fact that it's, it really is about Antifa rising. I'll have to try and observe that. Keep going. It would not be expanding like this if their name was not Antifa, if, if their name were We Hate Police – Right. They explicitly talk about on their website how making the police their primary enemy to mobilize people is one of the most important things. But again, it's it's all enemy oriented stuff, whereas they should say they should name themselves power at all costs. Yeah. Pa- well, power at all costs. I think people would join with. <laughs> yeah, but what I'm, I, what I'm talking about is I, if to, to think about them. See, people think about them who don't understand the history of, of Antifa, who don't understand the history of Orwellian language. They need to be rebranded for what they truly represent. That way, people who don't know their history will pause and say, wait a minute, maybe before I like this or before I join this group, I should find out a little bit more about these people who are riling up my hate and then telling me what to do about it. And if they were called the We Hate Police or, or some other name that you could really pull basically straight from one of their uh, documents on their website, people would hesitate. They would pull, in fact, I know for a fact they would. If some of my friends who like them on Facebook, if I told them, and I have told some of them this stuff, they would be like, whoa, uh, okay, I'm not going to do that. Really? Yeah, absolutely, because they're not violent people, and these people are violent. And this is why this is in the news this week because of something that Trump allegedly said. Earlier this week, he had a group of – evangelicals in the white house and cnn reported that some audio was leaked of course we didn't hear the audio but what they say that he said was it's not a question of like or dislike it's a question that they will overturn everything that we've done and they will do it quickly and violently and violently there is violence when you look at antifa these are violent people trump said describing what would happen should his voters fail to cast ballots (laughs) So this was the story. That Trump- is threatening too. That's a threat. I know it is. If you read through Antifa's website and you look at some of the stuff in the and that they've done in the past, yeah, that there's some that's that's a credible. Dude, Michael statement. Moore is inciting violence. Absolutely. So here is what here is how yes not ESPN um, ESPN CNN might <laughs> well be the same thing at this point. Oh, don't get me started on Max Kellerman. Yeah. 
First, I'm going to play you how Jeffrey Tubin of CNN responded to those comments. Now, Jeffrey Tubin, this is what he does. He, he says the same thing. It doesn't matter what the issue is. He makes it about this exact thing every single time. Here's how he responded to the alleged comments that Trump made. The theme here is I'm Donald Trump and I'll protect you from the scary black people. Antifa is widely perceived as an African-American organization. And this is just part of the same story of LeBron James and Don Lemon and Maxine Waters and the NFL players and the UCLA basketball players. This is about black versus white. This is about Donald Trump's appeal to racism. And it just happens all the time. And we never say it or we don't say it enough for what it is. But that's what's going on. Okay, no, Antifa is not a group that I've is never, predominantly ever. thought of. Yeah, that's not never, true. Not that, once, not that's, even once. Black Lives okay. Matter is yes. probably black. Right. So that's a blatant I, that was line. offensive. Like yeah. it just right out of the gate, I was like, "Ugh, what? I don't think that way." <laughs> you know, what are you doing? And that, uh, yeah, that's awful. It's absolute the lowest form of exploitation to do stuff it's like a blatant that. lie if he can convince people and it's just to separate us so we don't see the totalitarianism rising look up in the sky look up in the sky it's us against them yeah it's also the fact that by, by saying that talking about antifa is racist it prevents people from talking about antifa that's a way of preventing people from thinking about who antifa really is what or he criticizing them yeah. So you can't even look into them, criticize them because if you, you know, you're worried you're going to be called a racist, even though they're not they're not thought of as an African. No. And yes. now that you're saying they're all violent, I'm like, oh, like the Black Panthers, which, by the way, turned violent when it was infiltrated by the FBI. Yeah. So, yeah, they put you know, I mean, there. yeah, they they want you to think to associate all these negative society destroying <sighs> and Jeffrey Tubin's role, if you go back and look him up on YouTube for the past couple of years, he says that exact same thing about every single issue, almost verbatim. Oh, Just really? plug it like before you even know is what the issue white? is. What is his story? Yeah, he's a white Democrat. Okay. I don't know. You say, uh, Jeffrey, let me get your opinion. Before you even finish, he's going, racism, it's racism. You know, you have Charlottesville, you have Maxine Waters, racism, right? But I mean, everything you said, there's even an interview of, of, that he did with, not an interview, but you know how TMZ, you know, they, they find people in airports and they'll ask them questions while they're walking. Just in passing, they're like, Jeffrey Tubin, what are you? he's like, racism, you know, you have Charlottesville. <laughs> it's the exact same. It's like a robot over and over again. Same thing. Well, that sounds like those kind of tactics, too, where you just say the same thing. Just say it. Just keep saying it. You know, if you read rules for radicals, I believe that's yes, part of Yes, exactly. Well, I mean, that's part. That's what Lakoff says. That's how the more we say things, the more they stick in our mind. And you just say it. it you never, ever have to support it if you get somebody. That's the mimetics. Right. Meme. Yeah. If every issue is racist and people are afraid that they're going to be called a racist, if they challenge anything, then they won't challenge anything. Especially Basically, if they... this has got to stop. I'm getting sick of it. What? Uh, everything being about race. Well, you better. Use I, I think you are obsessed with it or whatever. Not obsessed, but you are over uh, awash with it because you're my man on the le- on, you know, monitoring the left. And That's it's all, all they talk about. Yeah, it's all, all they the talk about. And I just. I think people on the right don't realize 
that or people nobody realizes what a propaganda campaign it is what like a brainwashing thing it is on right. the left yeah yeah you're right they don't this is part of, of understanding antifa it's it's all about deception too this is don lemon's response right before this they had a discussion that was nearly the same as the one that you just heard they talked about how this was definitely a racially motivated accusation against antifa it's so absurd um fighting listen there's you know no organization is perfect there are some violence um no one condones the violence but there were different reasons for antifa and for these neo-nazis uh to be there one racist fascists the other group fighting racist fascists there is a fascist there's a <laughs> just so you know it's that simple it's right there in the name you know so the nazis are the fascists might as well change their name to anti-hate we're the anti-hate group it, it, well, that's what I totally blow Democrats' minds when I said when I'm like, okay, so Republicans are just bad, evil, whatever, and Democrats are good. So when is some evil Republican going to secretly become a Democrat and take over the Democrats? <laughs> that's great, you know. And they're just like, what? Yeah. I'm like, what, what? Did that already happened? <laughs> I mean, Don Lemon literally said it's right there in the name. And that, <laughs> as though you can take these names and yeah. face that. This has historically been proven over and over again that people who want to manipulate people, they take on a great name. It's Orwellian. Know? It was the exact – it was just Orwell. It's the opposite. War is peace. It's right the there opposite. in the name. It's the opposite. My opposite law of democracy. What's wrong with you people? They're called Antifa. Yeah, they hate fascist. <laughs> That's all. Join them. All right, now let's <laughs> let's read through. This is from the Torch Network website. Let's read through what some of their things are and what people who are unaware, like people that I know, possibly some people that you know, who are liking them, who are going to march with them, who defend them on national television, although Don Lemon knows what he's doing, just like Jeffrey Tubin does. They're inoculating Antifa from criticism in the minds of their viewers is what they're doing, and they're preventing them from, from even looking into it. But if you ever hear one of your friends talk about Antifa or say, well, I'd rather side with them than side with those Nazis, yeah. one – Remind them they can oppose both, and two, tell them some of these things which you can find directly on the Antifa website, the Torch website, which grants you the ability to start a local Antifa network like the one in Atlanta. And here's what it says. Local Antifa chapters must agree to the five unity points of the Torch network. We work together to confront fascism and oppression. Now, that right there is important. Fascism and oppression. Oppression, I could be talking to uh, you know, a girl and say, my God, are we still talking about this? You're oppressing me with this conversation. So that, that can be applied to anything, oppression. They, they've already yes, – brought... I'm totally oppressed by motherhood. <laughs> yes, there you go. So, and then it says – it says below are a list of chapters within the Torch Network, and the Atlanta Antifa group is included. And it says your crew must be vouched for by at least two network chapters, and the delegates needing – you need two individual vouchers from other networks. And then there's some more regulations on the their associated website, which is powered through the what, – what is that? Uh, it's powered through that dark web um, – platform i can't oh, tour, yeah right. that is powered through that it's called yeah. it's going down.org tour, tour, tour. extremely radical um so tour was created by the cia right 
I don't just know. like evidence that it was. I think that's well established. Maybe they emphasize strongly in order to open up a local branch, you have to adhere. You have to represent these values. You have to adhere to these five unity points. So the people that people support adhere to these values. And I know that the, my friends that I know that that follow Antif online, I know that they don't. I know that they don't share these values. Would I rattle them off real in one quick? Or did you already? Did you get through the whole list? No, I mean there's okay, a lot. There's a whole lot bunch of stuff. Well, what are the five things? The five are, you- are this. Number one is. We disrupt fascist and far-right organizing and activity. So now we've broadened it to far-right. What is far-right? Well, they just wrote in Wall Street Journal that Alex Jones – I have to read this. Should I read that, that to you again? That, that um, he's a far-right conspiracy theorist. Alex Jones was banned from all this stuff, but not Twitter. <laughs> like, hint. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so Alex Jones is a far-right. But what does that mean? What do they mean by that? Is he a socialist? You're going to find – you'll find is out. Is he a libertarian? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. It, it's – when you read through their website and you read through the resources, what you discover is that they categorize basically anybody that will uphold the capitalist system that will prevent a classless society from you know, coming into fruition, that will prevent the, the revolution. That will prevent the complete transformation of society. Anybody who stands in the way of that is going to be labeled the opposite, going to be labeled a fascist, going to be labeled far right. So that's why they have to get kids to do it. Yeah. Because kids haven't done anything yet. So they can steal all the stuff from other people and not be at any risk. Yeah. Here's number two. You know, there aren't enough actual have nots to, right. you know what I mean? Kids. Number two is we don't rely on the cops or courts to do our work for us. Whoa, now I get it. Uh, This doesn't mean (laughs) never go to court, but the cops uphold white supremacy and the status quo. They attack us and everyone who resists oppression. We must rely on ourselves to protect ourselves and stop the fascist. Now, that's important, and I'm going to read you some more stuff speaking about cops here in a moment, but – there's always reporting after these rallies in the media about how the police, you know, were aggressive and they the Antifa was just reacting. But when you read through their website, it's clear that in order to be an anti-fascist, to start a local group, you must make the police your enemy. In order to be an anti-fascist, you must be proactive and you must prevent all oppressors from having a platform to speak on before they speak. So you must proactively stop them, and you must use any means necessary, even if it's violent. It, there's going to be violence. It's You're going to confront the police. It's inevitable. So when you read the website, it's very clear that to believe that police always start it and that Antifa is always just reacting simply is not true because they're – mention their position on the no he doesn't mention any of this uh, yeah would you go to a rally where police are standing right in front of you when the group you're with has made the police their enemy and they chant all police are racist which here here's an antifa uh-huh. chant from the unite the right to rally just to just to see if they actually enact some of these principles All cops are racist. Let's see. There's another one here. It's awful. Like, I've noticed that, too. I, I criticize public schooling. 
uh, police getting away with stuff like William Powell's death, murder, really. But you cannot, I you I know cops, I know teachers, you cannot target groups like that. Right. That's, you can't generalize. That's like the that. whole point of having law. You know, yeah. that's the whole point is that as an individual, because if all cops are racist and that's how you go into it, somebody's getting hurt. Right, exactly. It's there's no resolving that in a peaceful way. Um, here, this one's not related to cops, but this is also a value that I know that people would not uphold. Who they just don't know about Antifa. No borders, no wall, no USA at all. No board, so no USA. Let's play at all. that out. Let's let's take that to the. I mean, that's extreme. The yeah, class not let, That's okay, but what do you want? What do you want with that? Does that mean the whole entire world? So there's no police. I, I as an anarcho-capitalist, ultimately, uh, or previously, before there was kind of worldwide government, the security around property rights rose up organically. And that's how you got things like banknotes and um, bodyguards and all that kind of stuff would go with caravans. I don't know, it's a long historical tale. But what is their what is their vision? You know, if you're going to say something like that, you have to articulate a vision of how to get from here to there and where what is there. At least anarcho-capitalists give you a there. They might not give you a here to there, but they give you a there. No, they wouldn't say it if they had to articulate a vision. That's that's how they get people to say it. Is they they tell them they don't have to justify it. They tell them any and I'll, and you'll see in a second. Yeah, yeah, that'll be clear how they get people to say stuff like that without thinking. Uh, as we read through this, number three, we oppose all forms of oppression and exploitation. We intend to do the hard work necessary. To build a broad movement of oppressed people centered on the working class against racism, sexism, nativism, anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, homophobia, transphobia, and the discrimination against the disabled, the oldest, the youngest, and the most oppressed people. We support abortion rights and reproductive freedom. We want a classless free society, and we intend to win. So they just listed a whole bunch of groups who are the have-nots in there that they're targeting, and Lenin talked about we always – Basically, we exploit the most sensitive social issues so we can mobilize the have-nots of the current time. All of those groups he just listed, there are conflicting interests among those groups. Yes, the yes. way that they get them to ignore those conflicting interests is they keep them focused on hate, keep them focused on racism, keep them focused on what they oppose, and never on what they want to achieve, what you were just talking about. You don't ever articulate what you want to achieve. You only articulate who you oppose and hate. Absolutely no way to achieve their classless society without oppressing and exploiting the people who are going to pay for it. I mean, this is what you can have that have communism as your as your end game. But what you need to understand is there there is such a thing as production. Production is what makes wealth. You have to have ideas and hard work and. Uh, and if you want to be efficient about it, some capital goods, factories, whatever, you have to have those things. They come from actual labor that people put into it. And if you're going to redistribute that, 
then unless you find a way to actually get the ill-gotten gains from fiat money, then you are oppressing and exploiting the people who already sweated or who got the the gains, the rewards from their parents' sweat and their parents freely gave it to them. You have to oppress and exploit. So they start out with the premise we're going to uh, end all forms of oppression and exploitation to achieve a class of society. I do not think that's possible. I think it's a contradiction. No, it's absolutely not possible. It's completely not possible because you you can't have that simply because even on a psychological level, if you were able to remove all property rights, which they believe, and uh, you were able to remove – they don't want any individualism. On a psychological level, there's going to be one person who's more confident than the other, and that's going to breed envy. That's going to breed achievement, any slight achievement it's that comes politics. from confidence. Yes, it's simply switching – the uh, uh, means of obtaining wealth, this is a classic uh, di- uh, distinction from the economic means, which is production and property rights, to the political means, which is getting someone else to do it and then separating that from who actually ends up with the wealth. And right. then, and if you just think of what the word politics means, like in your company, it's bad. It's somebody fucking you over. Right. <laughs> you know? And to achieve this, you're not it's not bringing the people who are down up to the level of those who are up or wealthy because you can't force that you absolutely cannot you can't force people to achieve at levels that other people have achieved even if they're given the I- ideal circumstances there's going to be factors that prevent people from doing it whether it's motivational or whatever so That's it's a impossible. really critical point i've got to say it's that impossible but they're acting can. like they're acting like it's the that we would all like have the same new shoes, but you're pointing out achievement, class, all that kind of stuff is about that class is really about achievement, about self worth, self esteem, production, your value added, not what you take. That is what makes you an oppressed group. That is what welfare deep disempowers people. Yeah. And you can't for you can't so to have this classless society to make everybody equal, you can't bring everybody up. It's impossible. It's impossible. Even given the ideal circumstances, there will be people who achieve more than others. So but what you can do, the only way to potentially do that is to bring everybody down and to prevent any of that achievement at all. So that that's the only so their aim is not to bring everybody up. It's yeah. to rip everything away. Number four. We hold ourselves accountable personally and collectively to live up to these ideals and values. Number five, we not only support each other within the network, but we also support each other outside the network who have similar aims and principles. An attack on one is an attack on all. Now, that's a Leninist principle who is like anybody who shares some of the similar ideological beliefs that we claim to share. We we co-opt them. And we, we take over their groups, we destroy their groups, and we put people in leadership of their groups because we can manipulate them easier because they have similar ideological views. That, that's what that tends to. So your local yeah, Antifa yeah, yeah. group believes they don't like cops. They believe in a classless society that's impossible. And as you'll see in a minute, uh, well, they, have to up, they have to uphold these values in order to have a local group. Now um, – here are some of the resources that they offer the local groups in building and cultivating their local Antifa group, and these are really telling. One of them is called This Is Not a Dialogue, 
not just free speech, but freedom itself. And here is the predominant quote. Maybe you missed this, but it's not a it's not a dialogue. Your views are decide the are, are beside the point. Argue all you want. Your adversaries are glad to see you waste your breath. Better yet, if you protest, they'd rather you carry they'd rather you carry a sign than do anything. So they're saying you know, don't just carry a sign. They'd rather you carry a sign to do anything, and they'll keep talking to you as long as they can just to tire you out, just to buy time. They intend to force their agenda on you. When you read through this document, the document is saying don't have a conversation with people. There's no need having a conversation with people. There's no need just carrying a sign because carrying a sign is what they want you to do. Having a conversation is, is what they want you to do. It's how they're manipulating you. So they're conditioning these people to believe that anyone that wants to have a legitimate conversation, a discussion, is trying to deceive them. So they therefore, also, yeah. yeah, they should fight with them instead. It, it also goes to what the Starbucks guy, one of the Starbucks victims, heroes, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Said, which I think the thing was Saya, but said, uh, it's don't, doesn't he say like, don't talk, take action or something? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what it, what it was, but yeah. yeah they, that's that's the theme. Was, don't call the police and stuff. They're looking for civil unrest and that's yes that's exactly what they're looking for civil disobedience which and, will which will distract people from protesting the next war which is coming uh, yeah exactly keep in mind the opposition to police so if you're assuming that everything they say to you is some evil thing that they're just trying to tire you out and force their agenda on you and you should never talk with them and and holding a sign isn't enough you should do more than just hold a sign they're, they're talking about their interactions with police also. And they give an excuse for not defending actual objective rights like the freedom of speech. Exactly. Here's another resource they give. This one's called Antifa, Three-Way Fight. And this is the heading. In the struggle against the state and capital, we run the risk of being outflanked by fascism and the insurgent right. We must cultivate a movement that is both revolutionary and explicitly anti-fascist. The struggle against fascism and the insurgent right is largely political. However, this struggle is often physical as well. And they list a bunch of – and now I'm not – look, everybody should take some sort of martial arts if they have the time and learn how to defend themselves. But they explicitly list all the training, the martial arts type training that these people need to have. And, you know, learning to fight because they talk about how they're inevitably going to confront police and it is – they are going to find themselves in violent situations. And they are going to – yeah. And this that would a, spark a revolution. Right. Keeping in mind, people are liking and joining, joining this group. I'm going to keep repeating this just simply because they made a post, we hate Trump. He's a Nazi. Join the anti-fascist. You know, they don't know any of this stuff. They just see this common hate that they're focused on. Now, here's another one. Here's another resource, and this resource is called Whatever You Do, Don't Talk to Police. And this says this pamphlet offers, a, offers basic advice for people engaged in political activity who will encounter police as a result of their political work. Everyone will. It's only a matter of time. So you're going to have a confrontation with police if you're doing stuff with Antifa. Then it, then it says – from there, it moves on to discuss the importance of making opposition to police an essential part of grassroots organizing. I'm going to repeat that. From there, the zine, this is the resource, 
moves on to discuss the importance of making opposition to the police an essential part of grassroots organizing. They're they're really looking for riots. Right. The 25,000 people that have liked this group on Facebook, I guarantee you 99% of them would not go along with a statement like that. All right, now here's another thing. This is this is a whole like a this is within this guide. This is like a 50-page guide on how to handle the police. And one of the recommendations that they that they suggest, it says expect intimidation and harassment by the police. The police are not your friends and they will not treat you with dignity or respect. The cops may continue to harass you until you are released from custody. This includes separating you from others during booking, calling you names, and making fun of you. They often do act racist, sexist, homophobic, and and transphobic. Do not let them break you. Not only is it your right to remain silent, it is your obligation to remain silent for the safety of yourself, your comrades, and the rest of the political movement you're a part of. So, look, you said it a second ago. Um, There are some police who have – you know, done some of the things that they said, but by no means is every police officer falling into this category. I mean, that is absurd to suggest that every man and woman who is a police officer acts like that and to tell them to prepare them to expect that type of behavior and then to tell them that they cannot snitch out their fellow comrades. So if you see some Antifa guy beating the hell out of somebody, you're not you're not you're not allowed to talk to the police about it. Yeah, that that's what they're. It is dovetailing with that movement to not call the police, which I'm trying to figure out. I've been trying to figure out for a while. Here's another resource. This one's called Antifa Principles of Solidarity. This is in regards to uh, police repression. Number one, we will not talk to police about our comrades. This includes all levels of local, state, and federal law enforcement, jail staff, immigration and customs enforcement, internal affairs, and the Citizens Police Review Board. So, you know, you have to be complicit in a crime then. Say, you know, the feds are questioning you about something. You're required to go to jail before you speak up, according to these people. Number two, we will not potentially, we will not. We will not post incriminating information about our comrades on the, on the internet or on social media. Number three, we won't post incriminating footage about comrades. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, so they're they're required to protect potential criminals, de facto. And then it teaches them what it teaches them how to live in prison and how to help their fellow comrades who have been arrested because inevitably some of them will get arrested. This is an organization that it's premised based on look, we're gonna there's gonna be physical confrontations. Uh, the police are our enemy, and we're gonna be proactive in stopping them before they do any and stopping their ability to speak before we do. That's one of their things. Free speech does not mean we have to allow hate to go on speaking is, is another thing that is a big theme here. But um, some of us are going to get arrested and some of us are going to get hurt. So here are some ways to help the people that are in jail. I know for a fact that my friends who are liberals, who are mainly non-confrontational people who don't ever want to uh, you know, get in a fight with, with uh, any – especially police or, or, or Nazis or – they definitely don't want to go to jail. They're liking and sharing and talking about and defending this group who 
wants to coerce them into doing their dirty work for them. Yeah. I mean, if you really, but this isn't, when you sign up, does it tell you all this stuff? It's only when you try to start a chapter that you see all this, right? You train the leaders and then the leaders get the people into the group. And then by the time you've gained their psychological commitment through all this constant action, then you start to reveal the true intent to some of them. Well, you can just promote them. And at that point, yeah, yeah, you give them, you reward them. At that point, they're yeah, moving it's up. Like the, um, what do they call that? It's like the algae stuff or Avon or, you know what I mean? Like you move up the ranks and get a bigger piece of the pie. Right. You know, they can create cells by creating, by identifying that organization grows by finding the people you can tell the next level of information to and then have that person run a cell or whatever run a group of new recruits who don't understand it all yeah and they compromise them too they get them involved in this illegal activity which ultimately is a way that they can prevent them from leaving the party oh like wordpress it's me there you go (laughs) yeah but it wasn't illegal activity it was totally legal activity that they said that they were going to defend and they so that's the group the We Hate Police group that Don Lemon was <laughs> defending and Jeffrey Tubin was defending and that people that I know and that you know are joining and supporting online simply because all they can focus on is that they hate Donald Trump and they have no idea that – not to mention, as we talked about earlier, the size of Antifa it dwarfs the size of any threatening Nazi groups. Nobody likes Nazis. It's so absurd. Nobody – likes Nazis. It's it's just ridiculous to believe that these racist Nazis are emerging threats that are just running up and down the street with tiki torches. You get one video from Vox of people carrying tiki torches, which was clearly uh, an organized production, and, and suddenly there's tiki torches everywhere. The reality is that there's Antifa groups everywhere who are convincing people to join them based on that lie, and yeah. that they represent an emerging growing threat. That's really interesting. I mean, you really changed my kind of general vague impression of what was going on out there and uh, got too much free time land. Uh, yeah. You know what That's, I mean? I was just right. like, yeah, who's going with it? Whatever. But I, I get now what you're saying. It's actually, if you're right, and it, and I think you are right, it's way overwhelmingly um, – those, and are those guys getting shut down by WordPress? No, right? They. The last I checked, they still had platform on WordPress. Yeah, because the thing that got you shut down was, well, it's a long story. Um, can we end with a, if you want to hear that long story, check out the podcast of my last WSB show. Uh, do you happen to know what episode that's going to be? I do not. Right, can we? Post it can you play for us a um, Randy Quaid reading? Oh, that's a good idea. Let me find one. <laughs> what, one more, one more thing on on that. Their website and the websites associated with them are impressive, and the amount of resources that they have yeah. on it, you can't. I mean, you could take a week and maybe get through half of these resources they this is a very well organized and Mm -hmm. it appears probably at least moderately funded because they got they have this is not a shoddy 
shoddy group of uh, websites yeah, and resources that, put together. That is always a flag for me from the from the think tanks that all have the same um, kind of very user friendly design, really polished from the World Economic Forum to the Council of Foreign Relations to the to every. I mean, there's probably a hundred of them. Uh, to when I when I see a media outlet um, from QAnon to Red Silver J that all that has perfect production. I mean, we know how hard it is to figure out production, right? I mean, it's hard. It takes money and time, which unless you have a lot of money, you don't have a lot of time. And they not they hit the ground perfect. They sound perfect, and uh, and their hits go through the roof overnight and they get a lot, you know what I'm saying? So when, when something is, is like that, there is some ISIS, you know, there's money behind it. Yeah. There is some kind of well-established money behind it. And the money is behind it. Not because there's some, some dark night Batman type who has this ideological drive, but the money is behind it because there's going to be money in it or power. So it's something, some entity is exactly. behind that, yeah. that that is going to benefit from a large scale operation like this, which means they're probably going to see it through the end. So what is the large scale fascist operation? And I wouldn't even say, here's the thing. So it sounds to me like there isn't one, but I, I, if there is one, I want people to tell me. But even if there were, like there could be because they need that. They're working hard to get them out there and uh, they need them to justify, to justify, excuse me, Antifa. Yeah. The more they grow Antifa, the more they create an army of people who are unwilling to even have a conversation with someone who doesn't agree with them because they have been conditioned to believe that any conversation questioning them is someone who is trying to manipulate them and force their will upon them. So every time they expand, it's an army of people who can no longer or are even willing to think about alternative perspectives, which is kind of similar to what's going on in the media. But then they don't actually even need the real fascists if to them, everyone who disagrees with me is a fascist. You're a Democrat. And you nail it right there. And that's what it is. Anti-fire fascists. And and the more people that they can believe are like that, then the more that they can get them to do in the name of opposing fascism. And they believe they're right. I mean, that's why what is happening on the left. I don't know. Take the right out of it. It's probably the same thing over there. But what's happening on the left is so, so dangerous because they're saying rules are rules, but right is right. That's what they're saying. So they're saying... This is out of hand, Michael Moore. This is out of hand. We need to throw all the rules out the window. But in this country, the rules are the Bill of Rights. The rules are our protections. Yeah. And when they when they say, well, First Amendment isn't the real pro isn't really the thing, and you don't want to I get the problems with the police. Of course I understand that, but you uh, abandon protections of individuals and then uh, and then it's all over for them too, for the people. How We're, stupid is it to make the police your enemy, your primary enemy? I don't understand what the point is. What is the point of that? Especially when you admit that there's going to be violence. I mean, that is absurd. 
it's really setting setting people up for a trap because you're not beating them. You're not no. beating the police. They're just that's just going to justify the police. Maybe that's what maybe this is such a deep operation that it's there. I mean, I guess ultimately, if it is there to spark totalitarianism, it will give the militarization of the police a reason for being which it's been struggling to find. It started with Black Lives Matter. This has to be phase two of the dialectic with the police, which will only result in the police being stronger because you have the entire right men looking and saying, oh, we need legislation to, uh, to tamp down the left bias in the media. We need militarized police to keep these people at bay. We, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's sparking. It's yeah. not just the police fighting back, but it's half the country. That's, That's the thing that's point, why yeah. electing is so important in a democracy. That's a great point because they do emphasize police and the police, you know, as opposed to actual Nazis, the police are people who do have, there is a lot of them and there is power. And a lot there. of support. And there's a lot of support for them. I mean, yeah. half the country, when you look at the black versus blue thing, I think, thought it really went down on political lines where the Democrats and the left were all about Black Lives Matter. And then shortly, a couple of months later, you had the entire vocal conservative, Republican, whatever you want to call it, right, coming down on, uh, you know, heroizing the, the law enforcement, you know. And then you have laws that came down even in Georgia that made it just too easy for cops who shoot people to get past the grand jury. That's why I worry about William Powell's widow. They, she wasn't allowed to speak at the grand jury. So the cop doesn't even have to have any further action against him. Yeah. Or I, I, that the story she tells is that she, he killed her husband without warning for no, you know, he was an innocent person and whatever. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just so upsetting. But like, so the dialectic, you can see how it m- would unfold. But clearly, well, I don't know about clearly, but I think Antifa has um, a bigger agenda than just black versus blue or getting the cops to crack down. It seems like it may really be trying to start a revolutionary type or race riot or whatever. I don't know if that thing. That guy suggested it was racial, but I never thought of that before. Yeah, they say that it has to be revolutionary. And the people that they get on the front lines, the people who are going out there and and getting in violent confrontations and getting arrested, those aren't the, the people pulling the strings behind this aren't on there in the front lines. It's these people that they have conned into believing they have the moral high ground to go get into physical confrontations and put themselves in harm's way and, and in legal way and really affect their lives in a negative way that are that are on the front lines. And it, it's, you know, some of them, uh, a lot of them, a lot of them are, I'm sure are well-intended and believe they're doing the right thing. And it's because there's these people behind the strings that are conning them into jeopardizing their future, really, into putting them in harm's way uh, physically yeah. and legally. It's a con, and that happens on both sides. And if there were Nazis running rampant everywhere, I I, I would be just as adamant about that problem. But the fact is, while there are racists, there is just – people do not put up with overt racism. They they just do not. It's not acceptable. It's horrible and like makes you recoil. Right. 
But, you know, Antifa that opposes fascism, it's so vague and people don't truly understand it. They can get roped into it the same way, the same way that people who were not Nazis before Hitler took power got roped in to becoming Nazis. A similar type of psychological. That's interesting, because if you do rewind, people weren't. People you, you can see, like, it wasn't a bad word. You know what I mean? It wasn't a bad word. Not. Yeah, and they convinced them that there was this or this horrible emerging threat that was out to destroy them that you know, there just there didn't seem to be evidence that there was a massive threat as was described, but because they whipped people up into believing this stuff, people ended up joining the Nazis and when they joined the Nazis, while they might have been middle of the road, they get absorbed by the radicalness of And the- they really looked on racial terms or whatever at, you know, that scapegoating. So that's really, this really is scapegoating the Nazi, you know what I mean? The Nazi principles. Yeah. Where you don't even have to associate. Once you don't give people trials for wrongdoing, once you don't have rules, you just have murder and mayhem. Yep. That's what it comes to. And then, so here I am, scared of Antifa. Thanks, Finkley. <laughs> and then, right? And then, so the so the regular Joe housewife is going to say, oh, what are we going to do, honey? We need to join an organization to fight these people. And then you're going to get the counter thing, which is going to be also infiltrated and manipulated. And then you have the dialectic and the, and the, and that, and then you have unrest at home. Yeah. And then the war comes. And any organ any organization that opposes them is going to be labeled by them as fascist, racist. Yeah, of course, and Even it will be. It will be, but it will be infiltrated, and yeah. then you'll see it. You'll find it. You'll find one guy, one guy who who, right. who where did he come from? You know, he has no dossier, and and he's the guy. Look what he said, and he's in this organization. I mean, I think they did that. There have been organizations like that. that oh yeah, been. totally. The Nazis go through the same thing. They they strive for a legitimate to be legitimized. Also, they strive to be normalized. And while the media will pretend that they're being normalized, they're not. They're at, when you watch the media and they're they spend all their time talking about Nazi racists. That when you actually look at it, yes, when you look yes. around, don't. There's not really a mass. There's such a yeah. small percentage of. But then, then they turn right around and they're normalizing the true emerging problem. Yeah. Th- then you see what it is. It's it's just crazy, but people don't recognize it because they're so caught up in the hate, uh, their hate of Trump. Now you asked about Randy Quaid. I know you got to go. Randy Quaid, he started doing this thing, which you know a lot of people have done stuff like this before. But what he does is he does dramatic. Randy Quaid is cousin Eddie from Christmas Vacation. He has not been in movies in like eleven, twelve years because he came out talking about Star Whackers and how they were after him. And when you listen to him and you actually look into it, there's you know there's something to what he's saying. He was not allowed in the country for a few years. For I can't remember specifically, but they like he would try to get in. They wouldn't let him and his wife in. So yeah, it was a false accusation. It was a trumped up charge. Yeah, of and murder, or tax evasion, it was something. But yeah, know. some people stole his. Some, I think his brother right. was involved in in uh, undermining. There's his, a lot of interesting stuff there, but everybody thinks he's crazy right away, so they don't listen to him. Right, and his Twitter page doesn't get a lot of activity. What an actor! Oh my god! But he he does these dramatic. 
tweet readings uh, of Donald Trump. He, he reads Trump's tweets dramatically. Now, people have done this in other capacities before on like uh, – I mean for years, for decades really. This is a – this is a, a common kind of late night show type thing, but most people suck at it. They're terrible at it <laughs> because all they do is just read them. Like there's a, a right. there's a segment where Kimmel has people come on and just read mean tweets, but they just read the mean tweets. But right. what he does, he okay. performs it and he he acts it and he he puts this little. It's just him in front of his camera phone or his computer, yeah, yeah, like a strobe yeah, light behind him. It looks like King Lear. It's yeah, like and, he's doing Lear, and he is in the character, man. He's really performing. Yes. It. What's great about it is I think they're funnier than anything on on TV right now, especially all the late night shows. I don't even think it's funny. It's like it's like art. It's great, and the, here's why it works in my opinion. All the late night comedy is terrible because they are so up their own ass. They're yeah. so high and mighty about everything has to be about. Oh, I got Trump! I got Trump! And it's never. Yeah. It always comes off as mean spirited and not. Yeah, and then halfway petty. through, if you argue with them, this is not a joke. It's like really. Your it's whole not, yeah. entire show is a joke, but this is not a joke? Yeah, it's not funny <laughs> at all. It's stupid. It's just a uh, propaganda. But his tweet things, you wouldn't be able to tell by – if you just watched all these videos, you would probably think that he hates Trump, but he doesn't. He, he, oh, no. I think he loves Trump. No, I think he – I'm not sure he loves him. I think he likes him, but he definitely hates the media He because de- he got he, – he was freaking – you know, uh, slammed and smeared by them yeah. long before no, anybody else was. You know, he's yes, been getting bashed true. by them for years. I hope he writes a book. Do you think he has an autobiography out? I don't know. That's a good question. I loved your idea about us trying to get an interview with him. I think yes, that'd be awesome. let's do it. If we so, can figure out how to do a three way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not offering that up. Uh, right. Well, if we <laughs> offer him that, funny, but might, he, that might funny. be an easy way to get an interview. Never mind, never mind, never mind. Just kidding. I was just kidding. All right, so here, here's just one of them. This is the most recent one. He does them on a regular basis now. Hillary Clinton's emails, many of which are classified information, got hacked by China. <laughs> Next move better be by the FBI and DOJ, or after all of their other missteps, Comey, McCabe, Stroke, Page, or... Pfizer, dirty dossier, etc. Their credibility will be forever gone. I gotta say, I gotta hear another one. I'm addicted. All right. Yeah, I'll put a link so you can watch. The, you can see like the strobe video, yeah, and you see how so intense great. his eyes are. He's so great. The big story that the fake news media refuses to report is low-life Christopher Steele's many meetings with Deputy A.G. Bruce Orr and his beautiful wife, <laughs> Nelly. Uh, it was Fusion GPS that hired Steele to write that phony and discredited dossier paid for by Crooked Hillary and the DNC. <laughs> And that her husband still <laughs> works for the Department of Justice. <laughs> I have never seen anything so rigged in my life. Our AG is scared stiff and missing in action. It is all starting to be revealed. Not pretty. IG report soon. Witch hunt! <laughs> <laughs>
It's great. Oh What's great about it is oh. when I first found these, they were getting like maybe one, two comments and, you know, a good bit of, of likes, not like, you know, most people who are celebrities on Twitter, but it wasn't getting a lot of attention. But uh, recently they started to get a little bit more attention and people like Jake Tapper and other people in, uh, you know, on CNN have shared them. And a lot of people who hate Trump have shared them, uh, not realizing yeah, that he doesn't hate Trump. Yeah, they don't no. realize. And the reason they don't realize it is because he's just doing something funny. It's something, instead of making it an overt political message, taking yeah. a side. No, you but know? he's making the case. That's the thing about him doing it better than tr- Trump does it. Oh, it's great. Like, we should only, we should make a rule that we only report on Trump tweets. By, <laughs> by oh, my re- gosh, letting him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. Oh, please. We should ask him permission if we can play them on our show. I mean, I know we, you can because it's short, but it's like a 30-second rule or something. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Uh, all right. I got to go. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening and for your continued support, especially after we were purged from WordPress. Thank you, Greg, for helping us to rebuild our website on another platform and to improve upon it. And anybody who wants to help us out, I will include a link to PayPal and to Patreon in, you know, however I post this show. I'm not quite sure what I'll be linking it to yet, but um, I will include those links there. Any little bit helps, um, whether it's financially or in other ways. And just thank everybody for your – thank you for your continued support, and we'll talk to you next time. See you later. Thank you.